All right. I'm glad that you're here today. Aren't you glad that it is not snowing in February? Now, some of you might be might be uh, winter people. I kind of like the winter, and uh, I, I enjoy just uh, having the cool. But at the same time, it is nice to be in February and and not have the uh, the heater on full blast. Yesterday was a beautiful day. You know, as as the uh, as the church, you know, just is on a journey, and as as people come to the church, and we we have been blessed with people going into the mission field out of the church and going to other parts of the world. I mean, we, we believe that Daniel and Giselle are missionaries to Brazil, and uh, they went home, and we're waiting for immigration still to get back with us on uh, when they get to come back home. Even though they're from Brazil, they're they're saying this is home for them, and uh, they contacted me this last week, and and just they're really ministering in a church while they wait, and and God's doing some amazing things. Um, but as people come into our church, uh, we we know that the time that they're here, that we're blessing and training them, and one of those was is Xavier Parker. <clears throat> the Parkers are a wonderful family in our church. And they've got about it more children than the Millers, so we love them. And uh, and the uh, and Curtis and Chris have been a blessing in in different areas in the church children's ministry and their children in whatever area they're attending. <clears throat> Xavier is going into the military, and today will be his last day for for a while in being at the church because he'll be going through basic training and different things like that. And before I preached, I just wanted to call him up and and Mark and some of the others. And when we have the parents come, we're gonna I'm gonna lay my hands on him and pray for him as he goes. And we're believing that he's gonna be a missionary in the military service and and serving our country. And what does that mean? Serving us as as part of the country that we love and the freedom that we're in. Yeah, let's just call all the Parkers up and some of the these aren't all the Parkers, but. <laughs> Do you see that they have a problem like the Millers with height in their family? <clears throat> now, this this morning, would you just again join in? I know that everybody can't come up and lay hands on him, but just where you're at, would you just put your hand towards him and let's just pray. Father, today, God, you know everything about Xavier. You know his past, God, his present, and his future. And God, we're praying that we know that you know his future, that you have a a good future and plan for him. And and God, I just ask, God, we know that you're going to be with him. And God, even through the tough times, he can fear no evil because he knows that you're with him. But God, what I'm asking is that he would always, always, always know that you're with him. And Father, that He would be able to feel Your presence because, God, He is listening for Your voice. And Father, wherever He might go, whatever uh, training that He's in, whatever location that they call Him to, God, that He would know that You're right there beside Him. God, um, allow these four years to be a blessing in His life. God, also, I pray for peace in His family's life, His mother's life, and His father. As they have raised Him, now He leaves the family, the house, for a short period of time. And Father, I just pray that you give them peace. 
And Father, that they would know how proud we are that God, he is serving in the military of the United States. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. 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 Let's give him a hand today. Big guys like Xavier help me sleep at night knowing that they're serving and and uh, we know that those are those are good times ahead and we'll be able to catch up with all the all the stories of the wonderful basic training of the military you've heard it said I'm not in Kansas or this isn't Kansas anymore I think that's going to be a revelation real quick uh, it's not Texas, but it is the military, and and uh, man, wonderful. You know, we, we've been in a series on Sunday morning, just started last week, called 90. And what we're doing is we're taking 90 days in the life of Jesus, and we're taking it all the way through Easter. And, you know, it is one of the most exciting seasons in our church for me, because I, I realize that in the morning as we talk about habits, and if you were here this morning, you know that it is so important to realize that what is running subconsciously behind the scene in our minds and in our behaviors are really being reacted or we're acting out on a daily basis. And when we get into the Word of God and we allow the Word of God to become part of our DNA, or really our DNA, as children of God, as disciples of God, disciplined followers or learners of God, that, that we realize that he has a path for us and a direction. And there's no better way than spending time in the life of Jesus in the, the short time that he was in ministry, that, that we begin to look how his perspective and, and setting a paradigm. And today's message is called Upside Down. I, I pray that today that you'll get the main point, because I'm going to tell you the main point. But it becomes evident in you that, that you'll begin to allow the Holy Spirit for you to begin to, the, the behavior in your life to begin to act out actually what we're talking about today. Before we do that, would you just in your own way, right now as we pray, just speak it out. God, I want you to be God in my life today. And God, allow, God, let me allow you to be God in, in what your Holy Spirit speaks into my life. Let it be real. Let's pray that. Father, today, as the Word of God goes forth, we pray that you would allow us to be fertile soil, that your Word to be planted in our hearts. God, we, we, we pray right now that we pull up all the things, the, the weeds, all the, the rocks, all the hard places in our heart. And Father, we make ready you to speak for us today in our lives. Father, as we talk about these subjects in the weeks to come, that God, that we would allow our hearts to be changed, to see you in a different way maybe than we've ever seen you in the past. In your name we pray, amen. You know, there, there's something about temptation, and, and I can speak for myself, I've, I've, maybe it is the same in your life, but every time I think of temptation, I think it's self-serving. Everybody with me on that? I mean, I, I don't think that I ever get tempted uh, to be selfless. You know, when somebody calls me and says, hey, can, can you give me a, a day helping me? Or, or maybe, uh, you know, this, this 
person needs money and, and would you be able to contribute to it? Or anytime that I'm selfless, I really am not tempted to be selfless. I, that's kind of saying, I'm a pretty good guy. Huh? Is that the way you look at it? Because when we're tempted, it's always to be selfish. There, there's something about us that when we're tempted, we kind of lean to that time when we begin to look at things and we go, well, what's in it for me? This morning, as we talk about this message of upside down, we're going to see in this part of Jesus's life, uh, and we're going to be talking about temptations and and how when he came into this time, into the ministry, and right at the first, we see something that is going to be ongoing through his life. You know, last week we began by uh, talking about a man named John, John the Baptist. And, And John's this guy that's out into the wilderness. I mean, he's out in the boondocks. And people were in droves going out to to see him. And they were listening to him preach. And then they were watching and then participating and baptizing. As we said last week, that this isn't really something that was popular. It was probably unheard of because the temple was in Jerusalem. Everybody knew if you want spiritual things, you go to Jerusalem. You go inside the city. You go into the temple. There's certain authority that's over the temple. And that's where spiritual things happen. But last week we talked about how John the Baptist came from God. It's kind of a, a forerunner, really was a forerunner, an opening act to be able to declare and launch Jesus' ministry. And last week we talked about how Jesus came to, to show that there was a new covenant, that, that Jesus wasn't coming. Listen, this is something that a lot of people think, that he was coming to write the second part of the Bible. That this was not Judaism 2.0. This was not a second part. This was a new thing. This was a new covenant with a new commandment. And Jesus was here to launch that into ministry. And a lot of people were going, well, what? It was kind of that reaction. Because what he was saying was something that was not heard of before. This really set the world on its ear. They began to come to Jesus and, and hear this. But last week, as I said, that they came out to hear John. And John, from the introduction of Jesus, began just saying how amazing he was. And how he wasn't even really worthy to dust off his shoes or to tie his shoes or his sandals. He, he, was, he was so much less than Jesus. And if you were here last week, you realize and you remember that Jesus shows up on the scene and, and John goes, look! And, and we talked about that. He didn't say, believe in him or pretend to believe or, you know, do all this, open your mind. He just said, look. And I'm sure people are looking around. They look at where he's pointing and here comes Jesus. And John says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, who lifts up and carries off the sin of the world. This was something new. That that God would provide a lamb. See, they realize sacrifices and they realize, but now God's providing a lamb out here in the wilderness for mankind. And we talked about how I'm sure that the Jewish leaders began to say, you know, whoa, 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 wait just a minute. You're talking about just for Israel, not for the whole world, right? But no, the message was that now God had come into the world to provide a sacrifice for the whole world. This morning, as we launch into this sermon, again, I want you to see, because when when Jesus came down to the water, he said, I want you to baptize me, John. Now, 
here's John, and he's telling all the people, who knows for how long, days, weeks, months, how amazing Jesus was and how little he was. And all of a sudden, the powerful that he was speaking about and who he was speaking about now comes down to him and says, I want you to baptize me. In other words, I'm going to put myself really in this light under your authority to be baptized by you. And John goes, whoa, 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 whoa. Can you imagine telling God? No. Well, we do that all the time, but we, we don't do it face to face. And all these people that are looking, it says in Matthew chapter 3, verse 14, but John tried to deter him saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? See, this was a whole new way. This was an upside down way of doing something. This was a this was a new thing that people were going, now wait, wait, just a minute. I thought, John, you said he was, and now you, you well, the Bible says that, that that whole scene takes place where John baptizes Jesus and the Father says, my son in whom I'm well pleased. And Here's what I want you to see. Right after that event in, in the Bible, which is history, because Matthew, Mark, and Luke write it pretty much the same. That's why they call them the synoptic gospels, which is a big word and, and really just means that they're parallel. A lot of the same stories are in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. Our John is a little different. But those three are the same in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. That They, they say that right after, right after he's baptized, and what? the Lamb of God, the Bible says he turns. Listen to what it says. Then Jesus, then Jesus, right after that, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by Diablos. That word Diablos in the, in the Greek he, he After he's launched, after he has taken, so to speak, the stage, and, and he's been introduced, and here he is, and instead of Jesus saying to John, okay, you can go behind the curtain, I, I've got the platform. I, the Bible says that he is even led by God out into the wilderness. It's a little different, isn't it? Now this morning, I want you to see, because the word diabolos is, is, means diabolical, the slanderer, the accuser. If you've heard it this way in the English Bible, it is the devil. Now, this this morning, I want you to look at it a different way than maybe if you've been in the church and heard these passages before, but I want you to see it because Matthew, Mark, and Luke really don't record this as a as a lesson in overcoming temptation. I, I know that I've spoken on temptation and it does speak about temptation. But it's so bigger than that. If you study Paul and James, they don't con- connect always the temptation to the devil. Because I think that a lot of times if we're not careful, and, and personally I believe there is a devil, you might not, that's on you, but, but for me I do believe. But at the same time, I think that we go to the point of saying every time we do something, the devil, do you remember Flip Wilson back in the day? The devil made me do it. And this morning, I want you to see that even though that it is a time of temptation in Jesus' life, it's more than that because the new kingdom that is going to come onto the earth and is here now with Jesus Christ at this moment that we're talking about, He is going to put into motion a key element of the government of God. 
And it is so unheard of. It is so, well, upside down. That even to this moment in history, people are still scratching their head and goes, that, that, that don't work. If you have your Bibles, look at this passage in verse 2. It says, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. After he's led into the wilderness, he, it says that after 40... Is, is that the most obvious thing? Now, now, I've always wondered, why would they put that he was hungry? You could, if you're saving, so, so many times you're reading the Gospels, and, and as I said last week, it looks like you're looking through a knothole and you want everything to be so much bigger and you can only see. Why would they put that in there? My, my take on this is that they wanted everybody to know that he was vulnerable. He was in a state of being that he's almost looking at Diablos, the tempter, the slander, the accuser, and he's saying, take your best shot. And he's at this moment that we open up the story. It says that the tempter came to him and said, you know, and I've always wanted to do this when I'm preaching. If you are the Son of God! You know, he probably didn't talk like that, but we've seen enough Halloween costume, you know. Okay, okay, that's enough. Okay, here we go. If you are the Son of God, tell those stones to become bread. In other words, Jesus, if you are who you say you are and you're the King of kings and the Lord, speak it into existence. Come on, man. Come on, you the man. You want to show your power? You want to show all your influence on the earth? Come on, come on. Now, now watch this. Jesus answered, it is written. See, he's responding to one that is under the covenant, the old covenant in the book of or the Old Testament. He's saying, here's what I want you to know. It is written. A man shall not live by bread alone. He's quoting Deuteronomy chapter 8. We're in the Old Testament where Moses is going through the wilderness with the people. And what happens? The, the Bible says that Israel is in a need and they have to daily depend on God and God rains down manna. Now, we don't know really what manna is. Some people think it's like a wafer, you know, of a bread, but they gathered it up every day and it was only good for one day. Daily dependence on God. It says, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. In other words, he's saying, I'm not going to be independent of myself. No, 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 no. I'm not going to be on my behalf, but I'm going to be connected to the will of God for my life. See, temptation is, is always a way or an invitation to act on your own behalf. And see, the, the accuser, the slander was just poking. Come on, man, do it yourself. Let's see what you can do. But Jesus was here for a different reason, and he wouldn't fall for that trick. Now, some of you have heard these temptations, but the second one is this. In verse number five, it says this, Then the devil took him to the holy city. And sometimes in, in children's church or in, in my mind, and I've seen it on cartoons or in a movie, all of a sudden they go, boop, and it's like they beamed them up, you know? And all of a sudden they're at, in the high place of the temple. But really, when you think about it, he took him 
really could just mean as as much as possible is as being beamed up and just appearing at the temple or at the highest point of the temple is actually the enemy diablos actually they walked all the way to that high point of the temple now now when i was studying this the the highest point in in jerusalem of the temple is on the southeast corner and as they stared down into the Kedron Valley, the, the, the historian Josephus, I don't know if you've ever read anything or, or heard anything about him, but he said that that view would actually make people dizzy that it was so high. A little background maybe that will make it a little bit more visual. And they're standing there because the enemy takes him there. And it says that the enemy goes, if you are the Son of God... Throw yourself down, for it is written. See, Satan knows the word of God, just like hopefully you do. It says, it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. In other words, you, Jesus. And they will lift you up, Jesus, in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. In other words, in Psalms 91 Here's what's happening. The enemy is saying, it is even in your word, Jesus, that God's going to predict you. You can throw yourself down and nothing's going to happen. Be selfish. Show me your power. Show me what you got. Let's see all the power and your influence. He's quoting Psalms 91 that says God's not going to let anything happen to you if you just trust Him. Just do it. See, let, let me stop here just a minute because this is so much of a temptation for some of us to presume on God and sometimes it's because of what we've been taught or trained that, that we are people of faith and we know that God asks us to do things and we do those things. But then there's another part that we, we want to get in a place where we put God in a box and we say this is how God works. And this is the only way He works. And let me tell you, there's denominations that are made out of doing that. And when they presume that God is going to do, and they're going to, they're going to put God to the test. you got to do this, God. That God ceases to be God. And really what happens is a lot of times people don't even realize it, but what they're doing is they're trying to manipulate God for their own favor. And if we're not careful, we begin to do, you know, it, it would be unheard of to tell some Christians that they're trying to do magic. And so this is what the enemy is trying to do. He's trying to tempt him again to go away from saying, I'm here, as Jesus would say, to set up a whole new kingdom. The enemy is pro poking and prodding to go, no, 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 you're here to do what is best for you. And, and that second temptation is acted out. And Jesus says, no, no. It is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. What he's referring to is when Moses was in the wilderness. And again, Moses kept presuming that God was going to do this. And as he struck the rock, if you know the story. 
And, and Jesus is saying, you, you don't put your God to the test like that. That's so much the kingdoms of this world mindset. I'm not here for that. Then the third one happens. And this is the third, what we call the third temptation. And really, in my opinion, it's like the main event. It's the anchor temptation of the story. Because listen to what happens after those two temptations. Well, let me say this. Instead of just going right into it, let's talk about us for a minute. Have you ever thought long and hard why powerful people you know, I could say powerful men, but I didn't want to leave anybody out. Well, why do powerful people go off track? Think, think about it. They sometimes go off track morally or ethically, sometimes even financially, and you scratch your head and you go, well, what's up with that? Here's somebody that has all this wealth and all this influence, and it, it's something about our nature, if we're not careful, the sinful nature that we have, is to begin to allow that to become ours. And we begin to leverage it against our benefit and for our benefit. In, in light of that, think about this. What is it that draws people to bullying other people? Or, or the sense of entitlement? Or, or even sexual harassment? Arrogance, uh, an elitism, extravagant consumerism, greed, all those things that, that here is somebody that has been, it's in, in our words, blessed with all this influence and power and, 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 and wealth. And all of a sudden, it's like they go off track. Because see, with you and I, we go, well, I don't know what kind of test that is, but I'd kind of like to try that a little bit, that financial test. <laughs> Jesus comes on the scene and he's saying, all of this power that is given to a person is not necessarily for the powerful. All the... the Influence that is given to an influential person is not just for that person. All the wealth and, and power and influence is not just for those people. And, and, and people were listening to this that, that weren't part of you know, th this whole mindset of, of the temple worship and how that was going and, and that. They were saying, what? Because what Jesus was here to do is saying that would it, even the wealth that you are given, you, you realize that you don't own that. You're just a steward of that. And people are going, I've never heard that before in my life. It was a new kind of belief system that was being created that people were going, this is upside down. If you get money, you spend it on yourself. If you get, if you get some kind of power, boy, you lord it over people. That's just the way we are. And Jesus says, no, no, no. I've come not to do a me kingdom. I'm here to do the kingdom of God. So, so this is beginning to work in, in, the, in the community that he's speaking at later on. And, and we can see it. And we're going to see it in weeks to come. But right here, it's being established, established a temptation that is going forth. that's going to be continually, Luke says, repeated throughout Jesus' life. 
It says on this third one, it says, Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. And then he adds this, And their splendor. Some people think that he took them up on a high mountain, maybe the Mount of Olives or somewhere, where they could see over Jerusalem and maybe even as far as Jericho at night. Possibility. And they saw all the splendors of these kingdoms and the enemy is saying, listen to what he says. All this I will give you. Isn't that what you're here for, Jesus? All you have to do is bow down and worship me. Feast your eyes on all the things that these people have. Think about all the possessions they have. That's yours. If you were in this morning's class on habits, what he's doing is he's trying to get him to crave something. This is what everybody craves, Jesus. Power and influence and wealth. And and here it is. I have it. It's been given to me. I can give it to anybody that I want. Do you want it? All you have to do is bow down to me. So he brings him up to see this as a cue. Now, Jesus, will you take the response? Will you act upon it? Will you say, yeah, I'll take it all? Everybody else would. It'll be a reward that you'll never forget. The response, if you've, if you've heard this, you as well as I know that Jesus was entitled to that. But Jesus wasn't here to just take over the kingdom of the world. He was here to set up a whole other kingdom. The kingdom of God. A kingdom like no other. A, a kingdom where the king would serve and lay down his life for his subjects instead of the subjects or the people in the kingdom worshiping and serving the king just for his purpose. Now, now think about that. Can, can, we, can we get to that place right now without, without going any further? Just where are you? Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. When the devil had finished all this tempting, watch this, he left him until an opportune time. What he's saying is, I'll be back. And from the beginning of Jesus' ministry right here until the end, he will always be tempted to opt out for the kingdom of me instead of the kingdom of God. And you as well as I have the same problem. We have the same temptation in our life. It is always there to say, are you going to set up your kingdom, John Miller? Or are you going to set up the kingdom of God? The Bible says that it's kind of, to me, if you if you look at this and you just read it, in verse 14 it says that Jesus leaves the enemy and he goes into, listen to what it says. It says, he returns to Galilee in the power of the Spirit and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. And it says, if you keep reading, he goes to a wedding. And I don't know what it is. It's despite the enemy. Because he's not going to turn stones into bread when he's going, come on, come on. But he enters into a purpose that he turns water into wine. And it's kind of like, I'll do it when I want to do it. I can create a miracle when I want to create a miracle. 
But he creates the miracle not to show his own power, but more to help out the wedding party that ran out of refreshments. And he did it, if you know this or not, he did it because his mama asked him to. So that's the story of my sermon. Say yes to mama and no to the devil. Don't we all laugh? <laughs> but let's be honest. Wouldn't have we all been better, some of us, if we would have said yes to mama and no to the devil? So, so listen to this. He refuses the craving of setting up his own kingdom, but setting up the kingdom of God. He's not going to take over the world, but he's going to allow the world's sins to be taken away from him. He's going to lay down his life. Let me read you these two passages and then we'll pray and go on. In Mark chapter 10, verse 45, it says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom of many. There was something about that that it, it was almost like he had blinders on to all the temptations and all the things that were in the world of saying, come on over here, come on. Even though the temptations were there constantly all the way through his life, he said, no, 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 I, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. You, do you know what hung in the balance of his decision to do that? You. And you know what hangs in the balance of your decision? You. Because all of us have the temptation of saying, you know what? All that I have is mine. It's mine. All the power that is given me is for me. All the influence all the wealth. And what's hanging in the balance is you and your decision on what you're going to do. Luke chapter 9, verse 25. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their own self? He launches something that won't set well with the people in control, the authority, the religious leaders. And eventually, the temple and the empire will conspire to kill him. But at the end, they will be outmaneuvered. But before we get to that, there's so many stories to tell. So many miracles to explain. And in the weeks to come, begin reading. We're going to encourage you and challenge you to read the book of Mark. Pastor, I've already read that. But we'll do some things on Facebook. And please, if you're not a part of our group, be a part. We'll accept you. And as you're a part of the group, we'll put devotions on there as we go through this series. That'll challenge you to do on a daily, weekly basis. But as we're in this part of the series, this week, I want you just to be aware of every time the temptation comes into your life. 
Let's pray. Father, you're an amazing Father. And Father, everything that we have is because of you. You have put us in the right place at the right time to meet the right people to bring about everything that you have designed for us. God, we pray that we would become aware of every time that happens. The God that we're not here, our purpose is not here to serve ourselves, but to serve, to set up your kingdom. Not the kingdoms of this world, but the kingdoms of God. And Father, I just pray as people have heard the word of God, the God that they would become doers of the word of God. And Father, they would begin to see you work in their life like never before. And Father, my prayer is the fruit of our behavior, the things that come out of us, would glorify you. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Amen.